Hello everyone. Before we start today's podcast, some exciting news for you. You can experience the Inside Politics podcast live in Dublin on May 16th when Hugh Linehan, Jennifer Bray and I will be joined by Cliff Young of Ipsos, one of America's top pollsters, to talk about the US election, our own local and European elections and much more. It's a breakfast event kicking off at 8am in Trinity College. If you'd like to attend, you can get tickets at irishtimes.com forward slash events. That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. It's Friday, May the 10th, and you're very welcome to this special edition of the Inside Politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. With me in studio are political editor Pat Leahy. And Pat, we're here for a very special purpose. This is our first opinion poll uh, testing the mood of the nation in advance of the elections taking place at the end of May, specifically the European elections. And we asked people in the three Irish constituencies how they were planning to vote. Maybe you could just give us some detail of uh, who we asked and what questions we asked them. This is is quite different, actually, from the way we do our normal opinion polls in which we ask 1,200 people a set of questions about their voting intention in a general election and so forth. For the poll or the bit of it we're reporting today is actually three polls in one. So what we've done is we've gone to, uh, on our behalf, to find people of Ipsos MRBI have gone to voters in each of the three European constituencies, presented them with a sample ballot paper which lists all the candidates that are running in the European elections next month and asked them to mark that ballot paper uh, with their preferences. In full. So, in full, um, are, are as far down the ballot paper as they uh, sure. as they wish to um, as they wish to go so what it does is it gives us the first read on a candidate by candidate basis of how these guys are doing as the campaign kicks into gear so the sampling was done earlier this week Tuesday Wednesday Thursday of this week and it's the first read I think um, of as I say in the, the strength of individual candidates and just that's important because it's different to asking somebody which party do you support because of course when people go into a ballot box or people go into the polling booth rather the votes that they put in the ballot box are in the name of candidates and parties not just candidates. And just for nerds like uh, myself and I'm guessing quite a few of our listeners the uh, if we're asking 500 people in each of the constituencies that's different from asking a sample of 1200 people nationally so does, does the margin of error vary? Yes it does. The margin of error usually on our national polls would be two and a bit percent in uh, with a 500 sample in each constituency the margin of error is 4.4 percent. So a, a, a bit larger than uh, than you would uh, than, than you would normally get, and that needs to be taken into account when interpreting these figures. It's also, I think, important to say that campaigns are dynamic; things change, and the strengths that we see reflected here today, which are statistically accurate, are the strengths two weeks from polling. They're not meant to serve as, you know, a, a, an absolute prediction of where things will be on polling day. What they are is a read of where things are now. That having been said, I was looking back earlier on the uh, on the equivalent poll that the Irish Times did five years ago before the 2014 European elections and it 
did show a high degree of accuracy. Obviously, there were some candidates that moved sharply in the last uh, in the last week or so before that uh, election, but it, 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 it was fairly reliable as a predictor of where the first preference votes would go. OK, let's get into it. Let's start with Ireland South. Yep, Ireland South is will be counted as a five-seater, even though just four of those... MEPs will take up their seats immediately in Brussels. The last MEP elected will be an MEP, but he will have to wait. He or she will have to wait until the Brits leave to take up. So that'll be at least one Irish person hoping for Brexit. (laughs) Uh, Well, or not, um, as the case may be. But the important thing to remember from the point of view of the count is that it is a five-seater. Uh, not a four-seater plus one. It's a five-seater. It'll be counted as a five-seater. That gives you a quota of 16.6%, just under 17%, and, uh, and, and, and that's important. So how are people, uh, how are people doing in that? Uh, exist that the, the sitting MEPs of those, Sean Kelly looks set to top the poll. Fine Gael is on 18%. Uh, if you repeated that on polling day, be elected on the first count. Second place, Leonie Rieda of Sinn Féin on 14%, showing a dra- significant drop from the vote she got five years ago. But on 14%, you have to assume that she would pull in uh, the last few transfers to, to pull her over the line uh, uh, of, the, of the quota. So Leonie Rieda in a, in a reasonably strong position to be, uh, uh, to be elected there. Then we come to Fianna Fáil. Billy Kelleher, well-known frontbencher TD is on 13%. His running mate, Malcolm Byrne, on 10%. So that's a 23% Fianna Fáil vote there. You might say a little low, considering that Brian Crowley used to regularly poll over 30%, but a lot of that Crowley vote was a personal vote to him. So certainly enough votes for one Fianna Fáil seat, and if the vote could be pushed up a bit, you've got to think that they would be in the hunt for a second seat. And just seat in relation to that, Pat, the, to that kind of, you know, hoping that the transfers might get those two Fianna Fáil candidates over the line to take two of the five seats. There is a large geographical element in all this, aren't there? And a lot of these candidates, when particularly when a party is putting forward more than one candidate, they're very strategically geographically situated. So is there a question about whether whether that transfer hope will actually materialise in the end? In other words, would Malcolm Byrne transfer to a, or get transfers from other candidates from the southeast and Billy Callagher from Cork? Yeah, that would be the hope. And geography, especially in elections which features constituencies which are so geographically sprawling as two of the three European constituencies are. Remember, Ireland South runs from Wicklow to Slayhead, from Offaly down to Waterford, you know, so it's a vast area. And of course, geography plays uh, plays a part in that. Malcolm Byrne is, in, is from Wexford, he's a councillor in Wexford. He has that uh, in, in Fianna Fáil terms, at least he has that whole south, uh, southeast, and east part of that constituency to himself. What he will be hoping, I think, is that he stays ahead of the independent Mick Wallace, uh, who's also from Wexford, of course, who's polling at eight uh, percent in this one. And if Wallace went out, I think Malcolm Byrne will be hoping that some of those Wexford votes that he would certainly get would um, would come back to him. But what this looks like to me is that there are. It's easy to say that there is Sean Kelly's seat there. There's a Sinn Féin seat there. On these numbers, she will certainly take. Uh, she'll t- certainly take that seat. There's definitely one Fianna Fáil seat there. So that's three out of the five. The next uh, two seats will be a scrap between the second Fianna Fáil candidate, probably Malcolm 
Byrne, the second and third Fine Gael candidates, Deirdre Clune and Andrew Doyle, both very close together in this. Deirdre Clune on 10%, Andrew Doyle on 9%, so really nothing between them. So there is probably a second Fine Gael seat there, but no guarantee that it's the sitting MEP. There is certainly two Fine Gael quotas there out of that, with 18% for Sean Kelly, 10% and 9%. So that's two quotas, isn't it, straight away? Yeah, if those votes if those votes hang together, there's always the danger, of course, what happened Fianna Fall the last time in the Midlands Northwest constituency that you split the vote too evenly and you end up with a load of votes uh, at the end of the day but missing out on the seat. Unlikely to happen, I think, uh, in uh, in this one. I think there will be a second Fine Gael seat there but I'm not sure on the basis of these numbers who it would be. And then uh, I think Mick Wallace will be in with uh, a shout. Probably needs to push up his vote uh, a little bit there but he may be looking for transfers from both the Green candidate Grace O'Sullivan and the Labour candidate Sheila Noonan both at 5% today both a bit too low to be in com- uh, to, to be to be competitive those, but those their are, votes Those are disappointing numbers for both those parties are they not? Particularly for the Greens, there was a lot of talk around the place that in Ireland South that that um, that Grace O'Sullivan was in with a shout of the last seat, and she may well turn out to be. I mean, if she could push her vote up to eight, nine, ten uh, percent on the day, she'd be very well placed to receive Labour transfers and perhaps to receive independent transfers. But on the basis of these numbers today, she needs to. She she has more work to do. I'm not sure it'll be that disappointed really with a 5% showing this point in uh, in the campaign it wouldn't be it's higher than the Greens score on national polls so um, so I think there is a base for her to work from but she will need uh, she will need to do better than 5% on the first count I think OK move on then to uh, Ireland Northwest. what have we got there? Midlands Northwest. Well, one standout leader here, that's Mairead McGuinness, sitting MEP from, uh, from Fine Gael. On these numbers, she's home and hosed on the first count on 26%. So not alone will she have enough votes to get on the first count, she'll have a lot of votes uh, to spare. Of course, uh, she, will hate, she will hate me saying that because she will now come under pressure from party headquarters to divide up the constituency and, more and, and favourably so, and, and to so a running And so she should, race. shouldn't she? I mean, that is, that is that in in Irish electoral practice, that's bad practice to have to be that far over the crow. There's the only quota. one thing, uh, you know. There's only one thing worse than having too many votes uh, in Irish elections. That's not having enough of them, and that's the position her running mate Maria Walsh will find herself with if all those Fine Gael votes stay with Mairead McGuinness. Now Mairead McGuinness will argue that some of those votes, are, most of those votes, will go back to uh, to Maria Walsh. But there's no doubt about it. If you were sitting in Fine Gael headquarters and you were looking at these numbers, you would be saying to uh, Mairead McGuinness, "Get out." of parts of that constituency give them to Maria Walsh we will be telling Fine Gael voters in chunks of that constituency to vote number one Maria Walsh number two uh, Mairead McGuinness to bring down the McGuinness vote and push up the Maria Walsh vote and thus give Fine Gael a chance of uh, of two seats because this is a four seater of course so the quota will be 20% exactly uh, exactly right so um, looking down the rest of the list of candidates there Luke Min- Ming Flanagan on 16% in uh, uh, in this poll, that should be enough for him to get to twenty percent by the time uh, transfers and so uh, and so forth come in. So good result for him. A um, little bit more nervous, I think, for Matt Carthy, the Sinn Fein candidate and uh, and sitting MEP. He's on fourteen percent today. Again, likely in Eurida, showing a drop in support from him from uh, from the last election, but probably enough to hang in there. Probably, but not certainly, I would say enough to hang in there uh, 
uh, for a seat. Um, so, as we mentioned earlier, Maria Walsh on 11%. The real talk about two talking points, I think, really in this uh, in this constituency. First of all, Fianna Fáil vote. Brendan Smith on 8% and Rabbit on 5%. Those numbers look very, very low to me and I think you'll have a big Fianna Fáil push to get those numbers up. This is a constituency, if you should look across national opinion polls, where in these counties... Fianna Fáil is running at anywhere between, you know, the low 20s to the low 30s in terms of party support. Combined party support for these two candidates on 13%. I don't think that's going to happen on the day. I think Fianna Fáil will push up those votes and I think there should be a Fianna Fáil seat there if uh, if they can do that with sufficient intensity in the uh, uh, in the last two weeks of the campaign, which would give us one Fianna Gael seat, Mairead McGuinness, Almost certainly Luke Ming, Flanagan, uh, a Fianna Fáil seat, and then the last seat is scrapped between Matt Carthy, who I think will probably come home, and Peter Casey, uh, second in the uh, second in the European or in the presidential election last year. Candidate attracted a lot of uh, a lot of attention, a lot of criticism for the way he ran that campaign the last time. I think he will be making strenuous efforts to get noticed in the last two weeks of this campaign. But on these numbers. I don't see a seat for him unless something changes. I think the last seat would be a scrap between a second Fianna Gael candidate, Maria Walsh, between Matt Carthy and Peter Casey. I think there will be, despite these numbers, I think, and we talked earlier about how things will change in the last two weeks of the campaign. I expect to see those Fianna Fáil numbers go up in the last two weeks of the campaign and for a seat to be there for them, which gives you a three-way scrap for the last seat. Dublin. Dublin, four-seater, albeit that, as in Munster, as in Ireland South, the last candidate will have to wait to take his seat, but will be elect, uh, will be counted as a four-seater. And uh, so, like Connacht Ulster, as you pointed out, quota is 20%. So, 20% quota, Francis Fitzgerald, Fine Gael candidate on 22%. Again, home and hosed on the first count on the basis of these numbers with some votes uh, to spare. Second Fine Gael candidate, Mark Durkin, former leader of the SDLP, not really registering as a competitor in this on 7%. And that reflects what we hear from uh, party sources on uh, on the canvas that um, Mark Turkin, while he has name recognition to a degree, isn't really cutting through and there isn't really a chance of a second Fianna I mean, Gale if that play here. was ever going to work, it probably would have had to have been in a situation where Brexit was still right at the forefront of people's minds and, there, and the SDLP were not running a candidate in the Northern Ireland constituency in the UK, which they are doing. And there weren't going to be, there wasn't going to be European elections uh, in the North because whatever argument there is for electing an MEP in Dublin to, to represent the North, as it were, um, in, in Brussels and Strasbourg, it's harder to make that argument when the North will be sending three MEPs for the time being, at least, to represent the North. Um, so the second Fine Gael candidate, not really, uh, Mark Durkin, not really cutting through. Looks like uh, Barry Andrews, Fianna Fáil candidate, will retake a seat for Fianna Fáil um, in the capital. Really important for Fianna Fáil. They're putting a lot of time, energy and money into this campaign to regain a seat. They haven't had one in um, uh, in Dublin for the last uh, for the last five years. And I think um, on the basis of these numbers, Barry Andrews on 18%, he will, uh, he'll be within touching distance of it on the first count. So it's the first two seats, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. Now, that's where it gets interesting because you've got a bunch of candidates grouped for the last two seats. And I think you're going to see an all mighty dogfight with uh, uh, as, as the counts go down with the order of elimination 
being uh, being vital. So to run through them, Lynn Boylan from Sinn Féin, sitting MEP on 13%, Claire Daly, Independence for Change TD on 10%, Kieran Cuff of the Green Party on 9%, and Alex White on the Labour par- uh, from the Labour Party doing well on 8%. Uh, we mentioned Mark Durkin on 7% uh, earlier on. So from these numbers, it's 4 into 2 uh, for the last two seats. So in what order? Looks to me like Kieran Cuff on 9% here is quite well placed, albeit that he's fifth in the running order here. We know from the past that the Greens suck in transfers from all over the place uh, as as the counts go on. And it seems to me there will be Fine Gael votes to spare here. There will be left-wing eliminations. Alex White has done really well for the Labour Party on 8%, a kind of a bright light for the party, and it's a while since they've, since they've had one. But if Kieran Cuff can stay ahead of him, I think a lot of those white votes will go to uh, will go to Kieran Cuff. I think he could even take the third seat there, which would mean that the last seat would be a scrap between Lynn Boylan of Sinn Féin and Claire Daly and of the Independence. That could be very team. interesting, couldn't it? Because we've seen contests in the past, the, the famous Paul Murphy victory in Dublin South West, you know, a few years ago, where Sinn Féin you know, thought they were set for the seat, but then transfer after transfer, count after count, chipped and chipped and chipped away, and Sinn Féin's eternal problem of being less transfer-friendly than most parties did for them in the end. And that's exactly what happened on, uh, on that occasion. Now, that dynamic, although it is diminishing, Sinn Féin are less transfer-repellent to many voters than uh, than they have been, but they are still not as attractive uh, for uh, for. To, to transfers for um, for many voters. So on the basis of these numbers, and look, you know, I mean, we're talking, you know, one candidate on 8%, one on 9%, one on 10%. There was a margin of error of 4.4%. Really, it's very difficult to make a call. But if these numbers were exactly replicated on, uh, uh, on, on the day that votes were counted, my guess is that Kieran Cuff would take a seat and I wouldn't like to call it as to the last seat between Lynn Boylan and Claire Daly. So in terms of the overall figures here, when the party apparatchiks go through these numbers today, Pat, um, if I were a Fine Gael apparatchik, I'd be pretty happy really with the with, you know, with the numbers that are being returned in all three constituencies. Fianna Fáil, I'd be generally happy, although I'd be looking very askance at, um, at those numbers in North Midlands and I might, you know, raise an eyebrow at them at their, you know, at their accuracy. Um, Sinn Féin, who had a very good election the last time out, under pressure, um, not so much in South, but certainly under some pressure in the other two constituencies. Was it just that they had a particularly good result the last time out? I mean, they, you know, they, they went from zero to three. Um, yeah, they quickly. did. Uh, the, the European elections in 2014 were a triumph for uh, for Sinn Féin. That's not going to be re- repeated the next time. And it may be that they hold all three seats on the basis of this. That could happen, but they would be under pressure. Uh, they would be under pressure to do so. Um, one of the trends the kind of macro trends that we've seen in Irish politics over recent years has been a re-strengthening of the centre, a re-strengthening of the big two. Not that Fianna Fáil have returned to their position of previous dominance or anything like it, but Fianna Fáil are in a better state electorally now than they were certainly in uh, in 2014 at the time of the last elections five years ago. And those that trends, the, the, the strengthening of the old firm, of the centrists, of the big two, that appears to be 
uh, about to be replicated in these elections if these uh, if these numbers uh, are, are repeated on the day. The parallel, uh, the, 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 the obverse of that, if you like, of the strengthening of the big two, the old, uh, the old firm, is the splintering of the vote on the left. And that's what we see here. We see Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael uh, candidates at the top of, uh, of, of, each, of each of these uh, constituencies with votes on the left divided between uh, a greater number of candidates as you go uh, as you go down the ballot paper. Because in Dublin in particular, where I think that, that splintering is, is, most ob- is most obvious. You know, there are parties who have DDs in the dull and there's the Social Democrats, there's People Before Profit, there's um, Solidarity um, and none of those are figuring in the numbers which you mentioned so far. They're really down in the very, very low single digits. Uh, absolutely. And I think that's, as you say, that's best seen in Dublin. So, uh, if you count up uh, the votes f- from the kind of broad left candidates, excluding the Greens, excluding the small parties of, you know, the hard left or the revolutionary left, excluding Sinn Féin. And, and if you count like Claire Daly, Independence for Change, Alex White, Labour Party, uh, Alice Mary Higgins, Gary Gannon, you get to 21 of the Social Democrats, you get to 21 percent. That's a seat for a centre-left party. But on the way, the rate, that, on the evidence of these numbers, all of those may end up without a seat. Mm, that's something else. Certainly food for thought. I suppose, finally, uh, speaking of low single digits, we had a discussion of this podcast just a couple of days ago about whether this election would see Ireland see some small breakthrough for the, you know, the populist or nativist right that we've seen in so many other countries. Um, Peter Casey, I suppose, represents that to some extent, and we've, we've mentioned his numbers already. But there are three candidates standing in Dublin. How are they doing? Not spectacularly well is the answer to your question. Ben Gilroy is on 1%, Jem O'Doherty is on 1% and Herman Kelly is not registering any support uh, in uh, in this poll. Now, I should say, there's a margin of error. Uh, their support could go up before uh, polling day or it could go down. But what we can pretty well, safely... Well, it couldn't go down say, very far. Could, <laughs> indeed. But uh, what... But we think we can safely say is that particular uh, constituency that we discussed the other day um, on the evidence of these numbers is uh, not significant uh, at all in Dublin. But one thing I'll definitely be looking at should these numbers prove to, prove to come to pass in some form or something close to it in two weeks' time is that Sinn Féin will be in the fight for the last seat in two of these cons- constituencies quite, quite possibly. That poses a lot of questions for Mary Lee MacDonald, doesn't it? Yeah, I would have thought so. Um, now, you know, we, we've got our members we discussed earlier. Sinn Féin had a really great day um, five years ago in the uh, in, in the European elections. But, uh, and the most important thing for the party will be, you know, does it keep the seats? Does it keep those prominent people in the European Parliament that enable them to become vehicles, to talk to the public about their policies and so forth. Um, so that's the first thing they look for. But you can't escape the fact that electorally the fizz has gone out of Sinn Féin uh, a bit. I think people in the party are very conscious of that. They're playing defensively in these uh, elections. They're playing defensively in the local elections all over the place. They may be looking at losing a number of councillors. And if that does uh, happen on uh, on election day or when the votes are counted, I think that will put pressure on Mary Lou uh, MacDonald. 
and I think that on the basis of these numbers that could be one of the more important stories coming out of these elections especially as we will be facing into a general election at some time in the middle distance after these. And of course finally just to mention for those of our listeners who don't know it when you mention election day and count day there's going to be a gap between the two of those because we'll be voting on a Friday but the European elections I think won't be counted for a couple of days because elections are happening across Europe up until the Sunday evening. Yeah, uh, polling day is Friday the 24th of May Um the votes will actually, the first count will be counted um, here on the, probably on the Sunday during the day. Uh, Saturday will t- be taken up mostly with local elections. European first count will be uh, will be counted on Sunday, but won't be announced until 10 o'clock on Sunday night when the polls all over Europe will shut. And at that stage, then they will count probably into the night and uh, and and, uh, and on Monday, uh, at which point we'll see who fills the European seats. And we might even have a podcast then. I wouldn't rule it out, Hugh. Pat, thanks very much. And that's it for today's podcast. Thanks to our producer, Declan Conlon, and our engineer, JJ Vernon. Remember, you can mail me at hlinhan at irishtimes.com or you can usually find me on Twitter. We'll be back again soon. Until the next time, thanks for listening.